Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And hi, I'm Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs. This week, we're going to talk about using consulting as a way to bootstrap a new business. Assuming you need to make money on the side while launching a startup, what's the best way to allocate your time? Should you do a bunch of consulting all at once and then focus entirely on your startup? Or should you try to balance both at the same time? We'll dive into that later. But first, let's give some updates on our businesses. All right. So what's up this week, Rick? Well, I'm back to coding. Yeah? You you gave Uh, up on the no-code thing? I wouldn't say I gave up. I just... I reviewed my goal, which is I want to be an MVP. Um, I want to be able to finance my own MVPs. And no code can't really get me to a place to product market fit. Mm-hmm. And and I just have to accept that. There's a role for no code early on in, in testing. But my goal this quarter, by the end of the year, is not to, is not to prove that I can build a you know, prototype. It's to be able to get to, you know, prove I can build MVPs to get to product market fit. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, while I could, and I will use no code to learn from customers and build, and prototype some things, I'm going to prioritize coding to accomplish the goal. Makes sense. So for someone else who's trying to de- decide for themselves what to do, it sounds like you're saying, if you're trying to do customer validation, idea validation, build a prototype, no code's great for that. It's not going to get you to the point where you can actually charge money for the product you're selling in most cases. I mean, maybe in some cases it would, but most of the time it won't probably. You got it. Cool. You got it. So um, that's that's my main thing. Uh, it's slow. One of the reasons I was really got really excited and distracted by the no code is that it it's feels good to build stuff mm-hmm. and see impact. So I'm back. The, the, bad, the downside about coding is it's back to just taking it day by day, lesson <laughs> by lesson. And not seeing a whole lot of progress. Yeah, so, where are you at right now with the coding? I would say JavaScript. Okay, and you're doing Rep- all front end. You haven't gotten any back end stuff at this point. I I have studied concepts concepts of back end, so I have a good bird's eye view, but I haven't gotten into any language specifics yet. Mm-hmm. Um, have you cons- that, that- Have you considered like uh, I kind of mentioned this like way back when we had the episode about how to like learn to code to build a MVP or whatever the topic was. I mentioned very briefly, there are tools that'll kind of abstract away the backend for you, like uh, Google Firebase, for example. Um, have you looked into that at all? Yeah, absolutely. I actually just had a meeting. Um, shout out to a guy named Kyle uh, at Panda Labs. He's every few weeks, like sitting down with me for an hour and a half and basically answering all my stupid questions. So we walked through... Amazon, I think it's Amplify, Amazon Amplify or Amazon Cognito. There's some frameworks that Amazon has that uh, are pretty cool that pre-configure a lot of things on the back end. So I'm aware of those and I'm studying which ones I could use. I've looked into Firebase. One of the problems with Firebase is it's not, they don't have um, some of the HIPAA requirements. So I've sort of just uh, removed that one from the list. Interesting. Okay. For a, in a, If you weren't doing something that needs to be HIPAA compliant, I think Firebase could be very interesting because you could, with that, you could get away with not knowing any server-side language at all. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. What else? (laughs) Uh, So um, uh, 2020 planning. So this will lead into the conversation that we're going to have today for the topic I'm bringing, but I'm doing some 2020 planning 
and part of one of the problems I'm facing is trying to decide how much, if at all, I should prioritize consulting, especially in the first quarter of next year, because it's a great cash provider mm-hmm. um, and it definitely takes pressure off uh, from a uh, leg up ventures runway standpoint. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where it's incredibly distracting as well. So I'm looking forward to talking about that with you. Um, I'm torn. I think I, I know the answer and I just don't like it. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, but I'm, I, I know that you're going to have a different perspective on this. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about it. So I'll save, mm-hmm. you know, don't, you know, we'll save that conversation for later. The, uh, the other thing I just wanted to call out is I'm terrible at celebrating things. But we did actually double our our downloads for Startup to Last month over month. Um, so we're at a thousand across a thousand downloads, um, which <laughs> is huge. Yeah, it's uh, it feels good. Yeah, it uh, a thousand probably in the grand scheme of things is nothing like compared to actually successful podcasts. But if you look at the graph of downloads, it's trending in a way that. You know, you could talk yourself into thinking uh, we, we may actually have a real number of listeners at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But at the end of the day, it's it, I, I think what, what it caused me to reflect on is just we've iterated this format a little bit. And even if there's honestly, even if someone listened to this podcast, if, if even if a lot of people listen to this podcast and said, hey, that was OK, I probably wouldn't listen again. I'm going to I know I'm going to get a lot of value out of talking to you. So I feel like we've kind of reached the sustainability uh, piece where as long as we have problems that we're going to face individually and one of us is and the other person's willing to talk through that every other week, I feel like this could last a long time. Yeah, definitely. And something I didn't uh, fully appreciate when we started, I knew I wanted to talk to you once a week, but I... I was like, well, maybe if no one listens, we'll stop recording it or whatever. I think I'd go through the effort of producing it just so I can go listen to it easily without having to like pull up the file on my computer or whatever. It's interesting. And I would apply the same thing to the transcription process because I cement a lot of things, uh, takeaways uh, when I go through that process. So anyway, uh, it's cool. Uh, What about you? What, What do you got going on? Well, yeah, I mean, that segues nicely into one of my things, which is like last week we had Ben Ornstein on the show and we talked about pricing and other stuff for potentially having a new product for less annoying serum. And I, uh, the last week has been huge, like more brainstorming and new ideas and stuff has come over the last week. And I've ended up in a place that's pretty different from what we talked about in the episode, but it would oh. never happened without that conversation. So I feel really happy that we had that. Um, so let me just walk you through kind of the, the journey here. So what we, we didn't necessarily decide anything in the last episode, but a couple key points was one, I needed to understand what the reason for it was. Is it to increase margins? Is it to increase word of mouth growth? Is it to increase top of funnel, like marketing channels Um, or just like make myself happy? Those are different reasons to maybe launch a new product. Another thing that kind of came up at the end was no matter how valuable the new product is, it's going to be compared to what we offer right now. And our main product, Less Annoying Serum is $10. So if we offer anything for $10, it's going to be hard to get people. I think some percentage of our customers would use it, no question, but maybe 5 or 10%. Whereas if we lower the price, we might actually be able to get enough additional adoption to make more money with a lower price, potentially. Um, which sounds obvious when you, like, of course, this should have been on my radar, but 
I, I kind of had a light bulb moment there. So anyway, over the last week, we've been talking about lots of different stuff. And um, one dilemma is there's a lot of stuff we want to build in this potential additional pricing tier that would help with word of mouth growth. So appointment scheduling being one where like our customers are sending links to their customers for appointment scheduling. The more people that do that, the more people have heard of us, presumably. So it seems weird to charge more for that and reduce the number of people using it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in other words, it, it could be a freemium product. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird to like both be considering maybe it should be totally free or maybe we should charge more. Those are pretty conflicting things. It all goes back to why you're doing this in the first place. Right. So what we we talked about it and we settled on it's basically margins. That's what we care about. Um, focusing on selling to our current audience rather than trying to create some new audience is what we want to do. And the the first iteration of this was, well, what if we just started moving towards a world where the lessening CRM is $15? Um, we would never raise prices on our current customers, grandfather everybody in, but basically say, I think it's worth way more than that right now. And just old school over, over a transition period, try to get to a point where a new signup is coming in at $15. And then we just build everything into that. We'd have a hundred percent adoption in that situation. And so even though it's a lower price, we'd, you know, it would help the margins a lot and it would 100% focus on our current customer base. So that was one iteration, but then someone brought up, I've talked about this with a bunch of different people internally. Well, if we, if we're doing that, we don't really need to tie new product development to the price anymore. We don't need to say, well, we have to build this new feature so that we can launch it and call it a new pricing tier. We can just build a new feature whenever, and the pricing can kind of be orthogonal to that. Um, so the plan right now is uh, very boring. We're just going to build this new feature and not raise prices. <laughs> 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 and so I guess one thing I didn't follow there, just a point of clarification, mm -hmm. are you saying that, I guess you, you said your goal was increase margin from existing customers, but if you're going to grandfather existing customers into the price, I don't understand how that works. Yeah. So when I say, when I say existing customers, I guess I really mean like the business we already have built. Um, we have 2% churn per month, which is very low for our customer segment, but what it means is every year, 30% of our audience is churning through. So whatever we do, the number of two years from now, the number of customers we have will be largely new people that are not current customers. So I really mean getting better margin from uh, new customers who are coming in anyway, rather than trying to go earn a new type of customer from some other stream of business. Got it. So basically... You're not trying to go get your, you have a stream of customers coming in on a recurring basis. Those new customers, you're going to make more, more money. Yeah, on. that's the idea. But Got it. The, the main insight here is let's just, let's just build this thing and then worry about uh, pricing separately from that. That stood out to me too. I, 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 I that was, we didn't talk a lot about that on the episode mm -hmm. last week, but I, I thought that that was something when I went through the transcript that was that was pretty important. I was like, why why don't you just build this stuff and see what happens? Like, that was my biggest regret at PeopleKeep is we didn't ever build the things and just see what happens. I totally agree, but if if the goal is to launch another product, you have to time launching the the new features with the new pricing or whatever. Maybe, but but at the end of the day, if no one, it, the quicker you find out if people want it or not. The, the more you, the quicker you get to like, Hey, could I answer the question? Is this worth, is this a standalone feature? Now, granted you have some interesting philosophies about how you operate business that would maybe, you know, once you give it, you, you don't like take it away. Mm -hmm. uh, but, 
I get I get your point. Yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, it, it's more complicated, but it's less complicated now. Now, I should say, if we'd recorded this yesterday, I would have not had that more recent update here. So, like, who knows if tomorrow everything will be totally different. But I feel really excited about this. And um, I just feel like everything we were talking about just never quite felt right. And this feels like business as usual, where we get to we get to be ambitious and do something new, but also not sell out what we're about. So I feel really good about it. Cool. How how did your? I'm I'm interested in in how Bracken responded yeah. as your co-founder, and then I'm also interested in how team member. Have you brought team members into this conversation? They've they've been a part of the conversation through the whole thing. I've only talked about this most recent version with one person. Like I literally had a brainstorming meeting that ended 30 minutes before we started recording here. So I haven't really had time to communicate this to anybody else, but I, I will be doing that. And maybe I can give an update next week on how that goes. Cool. Sounds good. Right. Anything else? Um, the other thing is I started using superhuman, which is like this fancy hot shit email client that everyone's talking about. And I feel like a huge douchebag. <laughs> Are you saying it's not terrible? It's re- it's good. I, I, I really like it. It's the thing. It's, it's kind of douchey because it's invite only it's very like Bay Area elite, and you you have to do a setup call with them. They will not let you. It's not self service, and it's thirty dollars a month to use it. It's very like cult of personality, like cool, trendy tech stuff. But it is actually really good. So it's like the Allbirds of email clients. Uh, yes, and I'm wearing Allbirds right now, so I'm just <laughs> I'm exactly that guy. <laughs> oh boy, Gmail works great. I don't I don't get it. Uh, but I now have I so kind of want complaints, it. but we can talk some other time about. But for, <laughs> but for some reason, now that I don't, I'm not able to. I don't really want to pay thirty dollars, so I don't think I would do it. But man, I'm very conflicted about that. But it, the, the argument is, if you save one dollar worth of time per day on it, it pays for itself, and it is so much faster than Gmail. Um, so I, I, I'm saving a few, at least a few minutes a day, of probably quite a bit more than that. But uh, yeah. It's so much faster than Gmail. Yeah, I my Gmail's been getting really, really slow. Like every time I archive something, it's maybe a second to a second and a half for it to go away. Oh, okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Cool. Um, well, what else? Uh, that's that's it for me. So you want to dive into the topic? You want to intro stuff here? Yeah. Uh, so I think this was a question that a lot of people probably face when they're trying to bootstrap. Obviously, if you're, I think, well, maybe not obviously, but if you're, if you're trying to build a bit venture back business, this may not be an issue because you're going to go raise money so that you have runway to, to deal with things. But when you set a constraint on, Hey, I'm not going to raise money or I'm not going to raise mo- I'm not going to raise money ever, or I'm not going to raise money until a certain milestone is hit. Like I've set, which is, I don't want to raise money until after product market fit is reached, which I consider to be a pretty high revenue base, um, hundreds of, of, of thousands of recurring, recurring dollars per month. It's not per this month. per month. Yeah. I think I, it's a very high bar for me. So, so you're saying like where less annoying CRM is right now, you want to bootstrap to that point. Yeah. I think you have product market fit. Well, yes. We've had product market fit for like nine years. <laughs> not my, not by my definition. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but maybe like you've had it for a couple of years, um, maybe not nine years, somewhere in between there, there's something, some, some level where you hit it probably. And you've been slowly increasing on top of that. Um, where we, you and I are different, I would probably say somewhere in the last four or five years, I probably would have said, Hey, let's go raise yeah. some money. What's to, the reason to, to, to wait that long? Just, well, sorry, why don't you intro it? And then I'll get to my questions. <laughs> yeah. This is a whole, whole, like, uh, you know, 
mentality. So this is my weirdness. Um, I'll, I'll hold off on why that's the case. So one constraint is I can't, I'm not going to let myself raise money until I reach a pretty high proof of real business um, threshold. So that means that in order to fund things, I've got to have cash available. Um, I'm also, I also have a constraint on my own personal life where I don't, I'm not going cash flow negative on this. So um, that's a big thing where it's like, I have a pretty nice lifestyle. Um, I don't want, I'm not going to let that life, I'm not going to downgrade the lifestyle and I'm not going to allow that lifestyle to be a negative cash flow personally. Okay. So this means a couple of things. One, it means uh, leg up has to pay me money, right? Um, from the get go. Two, um, it, you know, it means that um, leg up has to make money in order for me, to, for me to pay that. So it's not like I could go raise money and then start paying myself money. I've got leg ups actually got to produce revenue. The quickest way for me to produce money is to sell my time. Now, uh, and and I have some expertise that allows me to sell time at a pretty high. Uh, the metric I talk about in this case is return on time. I can, I can make a, I have a pretty good return on time invested, but it comes at a cost to me working on some of the early stage ventures I have going on uh, in terms of focus and energy that I have to go after them. So it really like when I do take on a consulting project, it's generally a larger project and it takes a good bit of my focus and energy, which means a lot of my other initiatives slow down, but they're very lucrative and they give me a lot of runway when they happen. So context, uh, when I started leg up last or this year in June, May or June, um, I, I actually started it for, for a couple of consulting clients I had, and then added a third. And just basically that those consulting clients have paid, have been enough to pay my salary that I've been paying myself from leg up for this year. And I haven't consulted in a few months and it's allowed me to have pure focus on the ventures that I've created. Now I've gotten spoiled. Okay. So I've, I've really enjoyed having, you know, basically being able to set my week every week on what I want to focus on. But as I plan ahead, um, I'm realizing some of the, you know, every time I put pressure on a venture to make money faster than it will just naturally happening by, by just continuous improvement processes, it gets less fun. And it also leads to, I think, bad long-term decision-making. So, you know, while I want to, while I want to focus on these things and maybe move faster, if I do that due to my constraints, it's going to put pressure on these ventures producing cash faster than maybe that, that is good for them and could lead to worse longer term outcomes. And then on the other side, uh, if I, if, if I go consult, um, it takes all the pressure off of cash, but, but slows down progress. And if I had to make a decision today, just to give you a, an idea of where I am, I know I, I should go probably plan on consulting. And it's a question, then it becomes a question of like, okay, I'm going to go consult. How much do I need to consult? Do I front load it for the year and just like work my, pardon me, ass off for like, <gasps> Three or three or four months. How offensive! I know. Well, I just I just wrote a large uh, article, a, a pretty sensitive art, uh, article on the Church the of, of Latter Day Saints, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, <laughs> i.e., Mormons. And uh, yeah, so I'm you're trying, you're trying not right to yeah. use naughty words. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, bad words. So anyway, uh, I guess sum- summarizing, should I consult? Uh, if, if not, tell me why. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear your perspective. If so, how much? I'd love to just brainstorm, I guess. If we decide, yes, I should consult, I'd like to, to just go into like how best to structure that. Is it small projects that kind of continue throughout the year? Is it a couple of big projects front loaded at the beginning? Like I did this year. I'm interested in your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start. I mean, I'll start with, I totally agree with your conclusion that you have to consult given your constraints. I think like in the same way that over the last few weeks, I've questioned some built-in assumptions I've had about pricing. It doesn't seem like out of the question that six months from now you say, screw it, I'm going to go raise some money. Um, but if you're not going to do that you and, and you're not going to go cash flow negative, what other choice do you have, right? I either have to change my constraints. Yeah. Well, I guess I could bet on... I could bet on the ventures, but I think that puts a negative outcome pressure. The ventures pre-product market fit shouldn't be measured on cash flow. Mm-hmm. They should be measured on what you're trying to learn and iterate on. Right. Um, and when you, I, I just, I just, I just feel in my heart of hearts that it's a bad decision to bet on early stage ventures making cash because it's not good for your long term. It's not actually accomplishing what I want to accomplish over the long term, which is sustainable, long, long lasting, profitable businesses. Yeah, because maybe one of your businesses is faced with an opportunity that is totally inconsistent with your vision. Like, I think a common version of this, you have one big client that comes along and is like, I'll pay you five times as much as if you build this exactly the way I want it. And then at that point, you've totally lost your product roadmap. Yep. That type of thing. Okay. So you're going to consult. Or maybe six months from now, 12 months from now, you decide to change your constraints. But until then, you're consulting. I think so. Would you challenge that at all? No. No, I'm... Uh, I should say my bias here is I am very anti-runway. I would even say I'm, and by that I mean, I think every business should be default alive rather than default dead forever. Even after you go raise money. One reason I like the idea of waiting until you have product market fit is that money's towards growth. You can run the business in a way where even if everything, all of that money just disappears, you could still be you know, default alive potentially. Um, so no, I, I totally support anything that causes a business to be sustainable. And I think that it sucks. I have been there. It, it's hard. Even if you love the consulting gig, like I did working for you, uh, that was a great opportunity for me, but you want to work on your main thing full time. But I absolutely think what I did was the right decision for me. And I think it's right for most people. That's, that's what I felt coming in here. I don't think we should spend more time on that. Uh, I think that's one of the theses behind this uh, podcast is if you want to build a sustainable, profitable business, you can't force yourself to make bad decisions for the long term based on cash flow. And so, my consulting. So, so what I, I guess before we say I do need to go consult, I guess is there a, consulting is one way to solve the problem of cash flow outside of my focus on leg up. Do you think like should I consider going back full time and getting a job? No. Okay. Absolutely. Not. Are there are there are there any other is there anything worth brainstorming other than consulting that maybe I should be considering? I don't think so. But for, for the generic listener out there who may be in a different situation from you, I think starting a business while working a full-time job is totally viable. 
but it's preferable to consult partially because your probably hourly rate as a consultant is going to be higher, but more importantly, because you have way more flexibility, you can like ramp it down with it without totally killing it. You get to set your own hours. I think it's way easier to bootstrap with consulting as your source of money rather than a full-time job. Not everyone is in your position where like, it sounds like you can snap your fingers and have consulting clients, you know. I, I wouldn't say that. Let's, <laughs> let me be clear. I, I do have, I do think that you, I uniquely am able, due to my experience at, at my previous company, mm-hmm. I can solve a lot of different problems and of, of different like value scope and scope. And so I, you know, I, and I, you know, I, I'm willing to guarantee it basically. So there's a, yeah. A- another factor here, I guess, is like your skill set aligns well with getting consulting clients. Whereas if you were just like hardcore programmer, no people skills at all. Now questionable if you can start a business at all, but it might be a lot more work for you to go get consulting clients and maybe it's, it's not worth it. But in your case, yeah, I think it's definitely the right fit. Cool. Now, can I ask maybe some of these details you don't want to share, but like how, how much money can you make consulting and how hard is it for you to go get clients? Um, I, I, so I believe one could make hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars consulting, depending on how much time you're willing to put in and how much you're willing, how, how big of promises you're willing to make. So I guess I, I don't, I don't know how, well, here, let me ask it differently. Yeah. Are we allowed to say in the notes, you say what your financial constraints are, like what you need to make? Yeah. So I guess what could I make is different than what do I need to make? And I would say that uh, there's kind of what I want to pay, what I, what I want to pay myself is uh, basically I have a scale of 50 K going to hundred K going to 200 K going to 400 K over the next four years, or is it three years? So I launched paying myself 50 K doubling my, you know, doubling my salary to hundred K this coming July. So in 2020, starting July, 2020 through July, 2021, you want to make a hundred. Yes. Um, the, let's see. Uh, and then I want to double that the next July and then double that again. It's good to be Rick. Wow. <laughs> well, these are goals, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't have to do that, but like it, these are like the, these are the things that I said, I wrote down, where did this come from? And this is going to be different for everyone. Where did this come from? Well, it's the thing. It's, it's these are the goals that I want to hit in order to know that I could stay. I could run leg up ventures for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I, I know that if I can do that in that time frame, then I'm going to be great. Now, will it play out like that? I know, and you know that there's no way of knowing, but that's how I'm planning backwards. Okay. Yeah. Let- so all that matters right now, for purpose of this conversation, is is paying myself, 50, continuing to pay myself 50k through July. And then being a, being in a position to double that and sustain it through through the end of the year. Yeah, let's just say a hundred for simplicity. Let's just say a hundred k is what you need to make, and you know what what's coming later is coming later. And let me just sidebar real quick here because someone else might be listening to this and be like, I've had friends who thought they were going to start companies and grow it really grow their salaries really quickly. You have experience with this. You have a great track record. I'm not doubting you here, but just so people don't think like that's the norm. I'm running what would normally be considered a pretty successful software company. We have 2.6 million in annual revenue. I make 140 a year and I'm 10 years in and I'm happy with that. So like just so people can set expectations, like it's not normally 
growing revenue that fast, but okay. Um, and and so, just, just be clear, um, that's not, listen, people, people have different financial goals. People have different financial lifestyles. Some people have kids. Some people don't have kids. You've got, you, you, when you set goals, you got to be realistic based on what you want, what you need and what your situation is. And that's a very personal decision. I'm a, we're sharing our situations based on for context uh, the, the, there is no right way to do this. There's only the way that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So the goal is for a while to make a hundred a year. How much consulting work do you have? Let's say, let's say it's not being done in spurts. Like you're just going to do it, spread it evenly throughout the year. How many hours per week do you need to put towards consulting to make that kind of money? Um, it's about a half time for a quarter. So call it 20 hours a week for three months straight, five days a week. Sorry. Oh, okay. Or kind of like a half day every day for three months. A half day every day for three months pays for the whole year. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty safe like assumption. Okay. Um, so this is, I mean, you're in a great position here. You're, mm-hmm you're able to make the money you need with a very, very small amount of time. Now but- I don't, but I want to be clear. I don't need to do that because a group current is generating cash. Um, I'm, I know that my health insurance venture is going to generate cash. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually need to do that for 2020. So let's call it, uh, let's, let's say I want to go make, I need to bring in 50 K, uh, for 2020. Okay. So a half day a week for, a month and a half or a full day a week for we're talking about five weeks or something like that. Yeah. Now, now the catch here is, or sorry, there not are five kind of weeks, th- three or four, th- three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Now the catch, the catch here is most of this is project is situation based. So there are, you are, you, there are a couple of different ways um, to consult. One is on a retainer basis um, on a smaller item uh, which could be anywhere from five to 10 K a month. Uh, and it's a couple days. A, uh, it's like maybe a week, a day, a month, a, a day, a week or mm-hmm. a day and a half a week. And you're f- just there to help solve problems as they come up. And it's maybe like a, a, a three month, you know, project to start and then renews monthly after that. Um, those are typically smaller projects the bigger projects are, Hey, this is a three to four month project. Um, you're solving a specific problem, problem. The, you know, the project fee is 120 K. Um, and we expect you to deliver a, B, C, D and you price it based on, you know, some multiple of what your time is that you think that's going to do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a couple more questions here. How hard is it to use for you to secure one of these? Like how much the, the, the tough thing about being, for example, a full-time consultant, people hear, oh, a consultant makes $100, $150 an hour, but they're, they're not, not every hour is billable. They have to go out and get clients and stuff like that, which they don't get paid for. How much t- overhead is there for you? I don't know. I was spoiled last year. I, I didn't, I, I, I was like three for four in terms of pitching. Mm-hmm on consultants. So like I pitched three, four projects, got three. And like, what did you have to do to even get to the point of pitching? Were these all just like, they fell in your lap kind of? Two were referred. One was a network relationship. Have you had other referrals coming in since then that you're turning down? 
Um, yes. Okay. And then final question here, do you feel like you lose momentum on consulting if you take a very long break? Like, is it easier either to do the work or more importantly, to secure the gig if you're in the game all the time? Well, yeah. So I, I kind of, I don't, I, it's hard to answer that question. Just to put this in perspective in September, I don't know if I covered this on the podcast. I don't know if we'd started at that point, but I actually turned down a, 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 a hundreds of thousands of dollars in consulting to focus what I'm going to focusing on right now. But that was a result of that. That opportunity was created from doing a smaller project. So there is like, there is definitely a snowball effect that happens by, you know, you kind of, there's kind of one phase of you go out there and you start saying, Hey, I'm available. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were saying, it's kind of like dipping your toe in a different, a couple of different ponds. You dip your toe in a, in a couple of different pond ponds. You see how it feels. You talk to some people and then you develop some opportunities. Generally, these opportunities don't snap. They don't turn into long-term engagements or big contract engagements. They, you know, you might get a three month, 5k or 10k per month contract or a one month or 30 day, 25, 30k contract. That's more of a diagnosis. And, so there's, there's probably like a 30 to 60 to 90 day to be really conservative uh, lead time on closing one of those. And then if you succeed at that, you, you know, if it's a, if it's, if it's kind of like that retainer thing, they keep you on and you continue this five, 10 K recurring per month re- relationship on many problems or that 20 K 30 K diagnosis turns into a, Large, a, a multiple of that in a larger project over a couple of months. Okay. So it sounds like if your goal were to be a full-time consultant, there there is momentum that builds because each project can turn into another project. But it doesn't sound like you're particularly worried about if you went a year without doing a single consulting gig, that like your ability to do it would atrophy, that all your connections would dry up or anything like that. Ability to do it, no, uh, would not atrophy especially in the line of work that I'm focused on um, specifically. Like I think, I think that's different if you're in a very technical realm, if you're technical consulting, I think if you get out of, if you stop, if you stop consulting and you get out of practice and you're out of date, that's a whole nother thing. But in, in general problem solving consulting, I think that th- that's not an issue, but what I do, what does like what I am realizing is I did a lot of work to create op- that opportunity that, that I had and creating that opportunity it's, it's much harder to find the energy to create and desire to create that opportunity again. You just want to cut right to it. But if you skip, if you skip, um, steps in this consulting process, you lose a lot of trust and you don't end up getting those opportunities. So there's like a discipline type, uh, thing. I can't really explain that is a cost of taking time off. Okay. So something gets harder about it in a kind of intangible way. So I've heard people talk before, if you listen to other podcasts like this, like uh, Startups for the Rest of Us is one where they've talked about this, I know, is kind of this uh, hedonic treadmill. Are you familiar with that term? Um, Uh, What was the word you just used? Hedonic, which I believe has the same root as hedonism. Um, but it's this idea of, what's hedon, what, what's hedonism hedonism is normally used as like kind of gluttonous and itself and like indulging in, in every desire you have. Uh, the idea being as you make more money and you get more used to it, you, you spend that money and you get, you, you know, and especially a lot of people struggle going from consulting to starting their own business because 
when you're consulting every hour, like if, if you're lucky enough to have enough business that you're turning stuff down, every time you turn something down, you're like, is an hour or let's call it 10 hours towards my startup really worth passing up, you know, however many thousands of dollars that's worth as a consulting gig. And it's really hard to ever justify putting the time in. I've, I've heard about many people on podcasts and stuff like that talk about this, which it sounds like is sort of what you're worried about here, that you, you need to you need to jump in and make the, the product startup company your thing, but you also have to fund it. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm having a, this that problem. I think this is really just a. I would prefer I think this is like at the end of the day, this is a preference yeah. thing. I, I enjoy yeah. I don't really enjoy. Do I enjoy consulting? I enjoy the problem solving it, but it is it comes at the expense of something I enjoy more, which is working on my business. So that that is that's the reality. Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, this sounds obvious to me what what the solution is here. I would love to like, hear it. I, it sounds to me, and maybe I'm projecting my own preference. You're right; it's a preference thing. If it, I were in your shoes, it, it's a piece of cake. You're going to have to spend the same amount of time one way or another. You can spend it all in a big chunk. You can spread it out. But uh, for me, I would want to get it all out of the way because I, I would give very different advice if it's like you have to work full time six months out of the year to fund the other six months. That, that'd be a very hard pitch. I'd say, no, go half time for as long as you need to build something sustainable. But what you're telling me is you can spend three or four months earning all the money you need, or sorry, not three or four months, three or four weeks earning all the money you need for the rest of the year not even working full-time potentially to me it's rip the band-aid off it's just, it's just like be miserable for three weeks not miserable but not not working on the thing you want having the rest of the year to, to to devote to this i think would make you happier and would be better for the business so that's interesting so yeah one approach is just rip the band-aid off be like hurt myself beat myself up for the and, and just kind of set a goal of what the number is fund the bank account and uh and then be done. Because mm -hmm. there's that's one approach. Yeah, because and, and the, the reason I think that if you can do it, it's such a valuable approach is context switching is expensive. If you have 20 things you need to do, most people are bad at multitasking. Doing one at a time is going to be more efficient than doing like, I'm going to spend five minutes on one and then five minutes on another. We're not good at multi-threading like that. And so you can when you're consulting, you're not your mind's not going to be fully in your business anyway. So you might as well just lean into that and say, I'm just not going to think about leg up at all for however long it takes. And then once you can think about it again, you, you don't have to context switch back and get distracted all the time. No, I totally, I totally agree. I, the one challenge I have with that approach and why I want to discuss maybe an alternate alternate approach is I do think that there is a negative consequence of, I think, I think building routines is a really important it was really sustainable routines are really important to long-term success, whether that's personal success, business success, relationship success. And what I don't like about the front loading and why I'm hesitant to actually pursue that is it leads to some bad habits being developed during that time that you have to reset when it's over. And so there, like maybe it's not micro context such, uh, switching like what you're talking about, but it's massive habit changing over the course of quarters. And so, Part of me, like if I could wave a magic wand, what I kind of feel like is my perfect, now that I'm accepting that I have to do something to consult or something like consulting, I'm kind of realizing like 
I need to, if I broke that money into like a monthly number, what I really need to do is figure out how to have a consistent monthly number and just build that into my monthly routines, weekly routines. And, and I think that that's better for me because it does, it, it, it may may mean I have to like be really thoughtful about how I schedule weeks to avoid the micro context switching, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't force a major habit change um, Mm -hmm. on a, on a, on a macro scale. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And yeah, everyone's different here. And so let me explore why I said what I said, which is I am not routine based the way you are. I'm the type of person, if, if you made me a nine to five employee somewhere, on a typical nine to five, maybe I'm super productive. And then the next day I get nothing done. I need to kind of flow with what I'm feeling in the zone. I go with it and I don't stop until I get out of the zone. I can't force it. And I think you can force it. You can say I'm sitting down in front of my computer and I'm going to get work done right now. I, I don't, I wouldn't go that far. I do definitely have these moments. Like today is actually a bad day for me. I went to Texas roadhouse last night for a nephew's birthday and I love Texas Roadhouse. It's like, have you ever been to like Sagebrush back east or like a long, it's like a, it's got, it's one of those places where you have all these great steaks and mm-hmm. ribs and then you have the peanuts that you can throw on the floor. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> one of those places. No, I've never, one of those never been okay. anywhere. It's like, like a cowboy that, place. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, but I always loved it as a kid because you could like eat the peanuts and then throw them on the floor and, and no one could say anything because that's what you're supposed to do there. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Um, but I got, I've been sick today because something I, I just, have not felt well Hmm. and it's definitely affected my work. And I had a bunch of things I needed to do, um, that I was planning on doing, but I'm having to shift those because, so I'm, I'm flexible, but I like, I'm a very, I, I I thrive on consistency. Yeah. Everyone has their off days, but you, if, if you say from this hour to this hour, I'm going to write a blog post, that blog post is going to be done at the end. Whereas for me, I'll go on Reddit and then write the blog post at 11 PM. Like, yeah. And yeah, you, I would say that structure is probably a better word than routine. I think Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I like more structure to my days and weeks than, than, than you do. You actually don't like structure. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Now having said, okay. Having said that, let me push back a little bit that structure is good, but context switching still costs something. And it's not just the switching cost, but it's also like your brain is still churning on everything else you did today, right? And you never get 100% focus on something if you keep switching around. I wonder if there's a way to disrupt, like if we think about normal human lifestyle, everybody has a certain amount of routine and everybody has moments where they break out of that routine for a while and those are vacations. I wonder if you can almost take consulting vacations and say, what's the longest amount of time I can go real hard on consulting and then go back to normal life without having lost the routine of normal life. Do you know what I mean? Like what I'm getting at here? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. And like th- this is, this, this, this doesn't work for me. It might work for other people because what I'm actually trying to do right now is I'm actually going to vacation this week, next week, right? I'm heading to Myrtle beach. Have you ever been to Myrtle beach, South Carolina? No. It's like party central. Okay. So family vacation, we're going to do, we, we travel around for Thanksgiving. It's, it's my side of the family. Safe was coming with me. Um, but like one of my biggest challenges when I go on vacation, I, I, I stop, I don't work out in the morning. I wake up at a different time and I'm actually like trying on vacation to maintain my daily 
routine. So oh, okay. Like, so you want zero, like out of 52 weeks out of the year, you want every single week to be routine. I don't not, I would say it's more of a daily thing. Like there's a set day that I want to have of where like there's a beginning and an end. And on the outsides, there's a like kind of a book cover and those book covers don't change, but what's in the pages are custom to what I want to get done at that given time. Okay. That's like how I so, describe it. The thing that was obvious to me is the exact wrong thing for you. Uh, I mean, okay, so let's talk about the other extreme. Why not get one of these retainer things that pays you whatever 100 divided by 12 is and just get that? I think that's the solution I'm realizing. I I want – part of me wants to go the route you're suggesting. That's I came – so I came in here thinking, yes, I I need to consult – And I would, I want to be able to just knock it out at the beginning of the year, like I did this last year, and have freedom for the rest of the year. But there was a huge um, health cost to me of doing that. I didn't like how it was hard. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing that while maybe that would be better for the for like the long part of for the most of the for the future part of the year, consulting up front, it might be better to consult up front in order to like, hey, like I get focused on the end of the year the cost of to my health of 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 doing that i don't think is worth it is where i'm getting okay so yeah i guess i guess yeah i guess i'm just gonna have to accept that i'm gonna have a lack of focus maybe for well maybe it's just until i my cat my businesses get to a point where they're cash flowing and can replace the consulting and i just level down the consulting as i as i can and i just need to accept that there's a monthly consulting piece to to what I'm doing. Given how much you like structure and you like routine or, or how much it, it helps you, I think that absolutely sounds right. And this is what I did. I didn't do it by choice. I I was making $60 an hour when I was in this position, which is, I haven't done the math on exactly what you must be making, but you're making a whole hell of a lot more than that. Um, I had no choice but to say, yeah, I need this. It was a 20 hour a week thing for me. Um, and that's not my nature at all. And it still worked out totally fine. The great thing about that is there's no end. The, like the problem with what I'm, I originally suggested is you do that stuff and then you're kind of saying, well, when's the next time I have to do that again? With this, it's just steady in the background until you say, I don't need to do that anymore. I think that's a very, probably for most people, if you can get that situation, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, I'm actually realizing that's exactly what I need to go do. And I've got to figure out what services I, the services you offer in that type of arrangement are totally different than the services you offer for a big project arrangement. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different approach. It's a different client. Yeah. Um, so and I mean, if we're talking about something like six weeks out of the year spread out over the whole year, I mean, you're not putting a ton. How many hours are we talking about? Like something like okay, a day a week, even less than that, I would think. It's it's gonna that's what I averaged out to. Okay. Um, some weeks it'll be like three days, and the re- some weeks it'll be nothing. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. That's that's by the way how I did. I had more than a day a week, but I I would say I'm doing my consulting work for like as I'm squeezing in as many hours as I can all at once, and then I'm gonna get back to it versus like an hour a day or something like that. Yeah, I love that. I call it stacking. Like if you can stack contextual things together, like items in the same context, it's so much more efficient than context switching. So yeah, my whole, every week I I schedule my week based on how, like, what's the, 
what are the most related things I have to, that I, what are the things I want to do this week and the next week? And then how can I group those things by week, by day, by, by hour block to reduce the amount of context switching I have to do? That's so and interesting though, because you can take that in the other direction and go back to, well, then why don't you lump all of this into the same one month? This is kind of certain. What do you mean? Well, if you're trying to lump similar things together to avoid context switching, now we're heading back in the other direction. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, let's just say one of my consulting assignments for the week is do a financial model for company ABC. Uh, I also need to build a financial model this month for group current. Mm -hmm. Let's do two financial models. Let's, let's outline both financial models on Monday do you see what I'm saying? Versus, I exactly see what you, yeah, you're yeah, saying, but I'm saying like, if someone missed the whole first part of this conversation, they'd come in and hear that and be like, oh, well, what you should do is figure out, spend a whole month on financial modeling. You know, like... Yeah, but then you don't make any progress on these other ventures. So like, I want to make week, like weekly, monthly progress on leg up. I don't want to like pause leg up. I don't want to pause group current. I don't want to pause this podcast. Okay. I think that's a little different than the reasoning that led us here originally. Like originally it was, you need routine and you need, you, you don't want to like switch from one thing to the next, but grouping contextually similar things together is a form of like, it's just a smaller version of the same thing. Well, I think there's a difference. Um, in, in the context we were talking about it, we were talking about it as in, I, at least I heard, I'm going to continue doing the same things I'm doing to leg up, but I'm going to kill myself in order to front load. So, so in, oh, in, no, no. I yeah. was saying put leg up on hold entirely. Oh yeah. I wasn't catching that. So okay. I was, I was assuming that I was going to steady on with leg up and then add this extra, which would cause unsustainability for me. Oh, um, no, I'm, I'm saying just put all your consulting into one month or however long it takes, but, and then not, not make any progress with, well, I have, I have to do the podcast. I got to do you have you some. Know, stuff on group current. I, yeah. So, but maybe I stopped making, you know, making progress. On the other things. I'm not willing to do that. Okay. Yeah, that's that's why. Okay. Um, cool. Well, I feel like we're probably, I mean, it sounds like you kind of had the moment of clarity you need here. Is there anything else you want to yeah, dive so, into here? Um, I guess I want to throw one thing out there and get your thoughts. What, one thing I'm considering is I'm, I'm an okay salesperson. And I actually, I, what I've thought about is partnering potentially with someone who has a software comp software development company and selling their services and just instead of consulting, being a salesman and just getting like a commission on placed contracts. That's a, like, it's almost like a, like a B2B enter enterprise contracted salesperson. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? My initial reaction is not positive. Why? Um, Two reasons. One, I think to, to be a good salesperson, you need to have a pretty deep knowledge of what it is you're selling and the industry and all that. And I believe you could get that, but I think you'd probably have to make more of an investment in something you wouldn't really get paid back for. Um, th but the bigger thing is, it sounds like you've got amazing consulting gigs that salespeople, very, very few salespeople get paid what you're getting paid consulting. Let me explain why I think I could get the payback. So one of my goals is I want to learn how to code. I want to develop software. Learning the outsourced software development business through sales would solve the consulting cash flow problem and potentially keep me going down the path of coding. So they're like, I guess what, I, what I'm pointing out is consulting is maybe this thing that is 
purely like it's a different thing that's a cash producer, but it and maybe a relationship producer, but it isn't really like helping me move other things forward other than an injection of cash. But if I could find a project, whether it's a consulting project or some sort of role that allows me to spend the same amount of time and, or more time even and and make the same amount of money, but it contributes to one of my goals for leg up. That's kind of an interesting thing. I don't think we should go into it, but that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I might want to explore that a little bit as a way, but like, here are my takeaways. My takeaways are one, there's no question. I, I should not focus and there's a question of, should I focus on my ventures and ignore this problem until it actually hits me in the face? Or should I protect my business, uh, my ventures by generating cash and, and it, making sure I have a runway through 2020? I clearly need to go generate cash, not through my, without putting pressure on my ventures and make sure that I've got runway for leg up. I'm not sold on doing it via consulting, but I, I, I need, I know that my first thing is I need to figure out what the amount is I need to go get. And I need to figure out how I'm going to go get that, whether that's consulting or a, a part-time job or a contracted sales, sales rep. I, I want to figure that out, but I know for sure that I need to plan on it being a full year gig, not a once a quarter thing. So I need to find something that I think could be a recurring thing uh, for a year. And if I can make it what I'm going now is if I can make it relate back to my goals for 2020 that are related to ventures, th- that's a multiplying effect that maybe would even be reduced context switching and be a better return on time. Yeah. There's probably an inverse correlation though, between how much you get paid and how much you're learning, because if you're learning, it means you're not already an expert at it and they're probably not going to be willing to pay you as much. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying is basically get paid to learn what I need to learn to run leg up. But the, you're right. The the debt negative of that is absolutely my our, right, my return, my uh, payment per hour yeah. in cash is going to be lower, but my return on time might be higher because um, I'm getting paid in, in knowledge and skills. Yeah. So whether you do that or not, I think that's a very interesting idea for uh, anyone else listening, getting paid to learn is even if you're not, your goal is not to start your own company, but if you can get paid to apprentice or something like that, that's way better than being a bagger at a grocery store and trying to learn to code on the side. Um, yep. Cool. And then I, the only other thing, I think your uh, takeaways sound good. I don't think it's important necessarily that one consulting gig lasts the whole year. That'd be great if you can find it, but you could do a three-month one followed by another three-month one. I think the point is you want to have a slow boil, always splitting time between consulting and your main thing, rather than having to like upend your life to go earn a big chunk of cash and then upend it again to go back into the startup mode. Totally agree. Cool. Totally agree. Yeah. This is helpful, man. I appreciate it. Um, uh, do you want to uh, sign us off? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, anyone who made it this far, thank you for listening. Uh, we, we do appreciate it. Um, you can go to startuptolast.com to find show notes, uh, leave a comment, submit a contact form, try to sell us something, anything like that. Uh, and we are in, you know, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, all that stuff. If you, uh, like the podcast, please go give us a five-star review. That'd be awesome. 
Um, I think eventually, if we get enough of those, someone might find us organically, which would just be wild. So uh, thanks for listening, <laughs> and uh, see you next week. See ya.